0: The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand, the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded.
4: Free Donna Hansborough. Or at least give her her job back. She was fired over the weekend. I think it was over the weekend. She fired recently because... She tried to stop uh, some shoplifters who were trying to steal about $2,000 worth of stuff from a, ju- a store down in Georgia. Now, three suspects came into the store back on June 25th, and they sold $2,100 worth of merchandise. Uh, Donna, who's 69, had been working for Lowe's for 13 years, grabbed the hold of one of the shopping carts, and one of the perps punched her in the face three times. It was a woman who punched her. Donna ended up going to the hospital and has a uh, black eye. One of the peeps has been caught, at least uh, the last I heard, only one was caught. But Donna lost her job because she violated company policy that, uh, about stopping the theft of merchandise. So Lowe's has a zero-tolerance policy on stopping sh- shoplifters, and I guess they're sending a pretty good message by firing Donna. But did you notice I said that she grabbed the shopping cart? That's how it's done today. Shoplifters who used to stuff things under their shirt or down their pants, they now do their shoplifting, you know, just like shoppers. The only difference is they don't stop at the cash register on their way out the door with a shopping cart. And why would they? I guess if you wanted to steal a lawnmower, you could just, you know, wheel it right out the front door. Lowe's sells refrigerators. I don't know. Why not show up with a dolly and wheel that big boy out without being stopped? You know, why waste your time with little stuff? Donna told the Effingham Herald uh, down there that she, quote, got tired of seeing things get out the door, unquote. And she said she just kind of lost it. She also said she might be able to understand a suspension or a reprimand. But the signal has been sent to all Lowe's employees. Let the shoplifters be shoppers. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk to someone who has looked into who's doing the shoplifting. And here's who it's not. People who are just trying to feed their families. And then our second half hour, this is disturbing, a movie about Barbie. Barbie, you know, the doll, actually was number one at the box office over the weekend, which probably means that men actually went to see it. Lots of them. Our expert on Hollywood and movies, Christian Toto, will be here
5: with the analysis. Stick around. This is Dennis Prager. Now you can listen to my show when it's convenient for you and without censorship from big tech, become a member of the ultimate online community for all things Prager. It's PragerTopia Unlimited. Listen to the show on demand when it's easiest for you. This includes every radio show, every segment, and every guest over the last 10 years, and it's commercial free. You can even share your favorite segments with your friends. Plus, you'll get the same email from Alan Estrin that I received every night about the most important issues to read about. Pragertopia Unlimited members can also listen to every program, lecture, and course that is in the Prager store. Thousands of hours. You can even listen to all my Torah teachings for free. Share my passion for free speech. Join today and save 25% off the first year and get a free Pragertopia coffee mug. It's all things Prager, Pragertopia Unlimited. Go to pragertopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com.
4: On MyPillow's 20 year anniversary, with over 80 million MyPillow Sold, Mike Lindell and the My Pillow employees want to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their My Pillows. This is John Stagerwald. You will receive a queen size My Pillow for 1998 regular price is 69.98 and just $10 more for a king size in addition to this special anniversary offer on the My Pillows, you will also receive deep discounts on all My Pillow products such as bed sheets mattress toppers pet beds mattresses my slippers and so much more go to mypillow.com and click on the radio podcast square to receive Mike's amazing offer on the queen size My Pillow for 1998 or call 800-716-8087 and use promo code STAT. This offer comes with a 10-year warranty, so you know it's going to last, and a 60-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. It's time to start getting the quality sleep we not only want, but need. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code STAG, or call
6: 800-716-8087. Major investor and experienced operator in its core area of operations. Call now and learn how to deduct one hundred percent of your investment and create twenty or more years of potential monthly income. Call 80-287-6691. That's
2: 80-287-6691. This is a special alert to all Americans who own a vehicle with less than two hundred thousand miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all. Due to a decline in the economy, CarShield is announcing a low cost month to month vehicle protection plan that is now available to the public to save any driver out-of-pocket expenses on future auto repairs. Call now to find out how you can pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Yes, you heard that correctly. Pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. An open phone line has been established for all drivers to call for a free quick quote. Call 800-353-2973 now.
7: A daughter's squeal of delight can't be made in a factory or bottled in a jar or imported. It's a byproduct of the most important business in the world, raising children. Daddy,
5: look
3: at that picture I go at
7: school. Kids need fatherly love and input. They need a manly ear to hear about their accomplishments. They need Dad to make them obey.
1: Hey, Dad, what do you think about my new hairstyle?
7: When men make family life a top priority, studies show their children are better adjusted socially, healthier, and perform better at school.
8: Dad, I met the man I want to marry. He's just like you, Daddy.
7: No business success provides the satisfaction that a healthy, happy, loving family brings. Dad, your children need you. Be there for them, now and for the years to come. A friendly reminder for your family from Focus on the Family.
9: Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, wherever the mission takes us, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for our nation, for us all. The few, the proud, The Marines. This is the
0: John Stacker walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer.
4: Well, as they say in radio, we are efforting to get the guest, I promised. Um, Not answering the phone right now. Might be a technical problem. We'll see what happens. Um, But it's about shoplifting. And before I go on to something else here, since I told you about this, I'll tell you some of what um, our guest well what, what he what he found about shoplifting and one of the things that's um that's being pushed out there is that well this is you know these poor people they're just trying to feed their families. They uh you know started with the uh the pandemic and they're just suffering and the economy is so terrible. And that's um that's what that's what caused the problem. Well, the guest that we don't have is Stephen Malanga um, I hope we get an explanation, or maybe he'll uh, we'll, we'll we'll try uh, see if we can get him. But uh, his his piece is at uh, the City Journal. It's called "The Myth of the Starving Shoplifter," and what he did find out that is it's not in any way the increase is not in any way a result of a bad economy and you know people just trying to feed their families. Um, just to give you an idea. Retail theft in America, according to his piece, has grown to a uh, $94 billion problem. That's according to the National Retail Federation. That's a 90% increase in the last five years, since 2018. And the the thing is now is that more than two-thirds of states, this is your government involved again, more than two-thirds of the states are now treating shoplifting as a misdemeanor, if someone uh, steals less than $1,000 worth of stuff, 15 states uh, have raised the limit to 1,500 or more. And more than 70% of the retailers that they uh, surveyed reported that shoplifting uh, spiked in their stores after those changes were made. So a direct result of the government coming up with stupid laws which, uh, that makes them feel good uh, for these poor people who are uh, shoplifting, but here's the problem. Uh, it's organized crime. Um, according to this piece, organized retail crime now accounts for about half of store losses from theft, and uh, it has nothing to do with somebody going out there and trying to get food for their family. It's uh, They they resell this stuff for profit. Now, here's the amazing thing. You know, you'd think that the shoplifting was, I don't know, jewelry or something at of some value, but the crime wave is um, is is a result of people stealing stupid well, not stupid stuff, but um, they're not they're not stealing valuable things, small, valuable things. They're stealing things like tide pods. that's that, that's one of the most popular things being shoplifted. Um, and so that's what's m- much of the mer- merchandise. Uh, is You know, it's being sold online, so they're going online and selling this everyday stuff. Diapers, Tide Pods, things like that, cosmetics that they throw in a shopping cart and just walk out the door with, and there are all kinds of places for it to, um, uh, to, to sell it, and people are willing to buy it, and he refers to a piece in the Washington Post and as I said, this is where some, this myth is out there, that the shoplifting is a result of uh, people stealing because they have to eat. This is the headline from the Washington Post. Stealing to survive. More Americans are shoplifting food as aid runs out during the pandemic. But uh, as Stephen Malanga uh, pointed out, not the case. They're stealing everyday stuff, putting it in shopping carts. And if you try to stop them, you lose your job. As Donna Hansborough did, so uh, I apologize for not having Stephen on. Uh, I can't make him answer the phone, so <laughs> I tried. That's all I can tell you. Um, so I have some other stuff here uh, that I wanted to um, get into. Uh, Kamala Harris, who is just an just a moron, and just an just the idea that she is. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say Vice President of the United States which she obviously is she's a heartbeat away from being president of the united states uh she's out there running around um saying that the state of Florida is they she, she's complaining about the curriculum for um for for history for kids in school and what they teach or don't teach about slavery and this is what uh um She said, I guess it's in a tweet, just yesterday, and this is from Kamala Harris, quote, Kamala Harris, just yesterday in the state of Florida, they decided middle school students will be taught that enslaved people benefited from slavery. That's what she said. She said this, it wasn't on Twitter. She said this at a convention for the black sorority Delta Sigma Theta. So she was speaking to a bunch of black uh, kids, students. They insult us in an attempt to gaslight us, and we will not uh, stand for it. So that's what she said. Okay. Now, um, there's a long list of uh, what's his name. Um, his name is Cook. Yeah, Charles Cook. Sorry, I thought I knew his name was Charles. Um, she he did a piece. He he dove into the the whole curriculum thing and what they're what what they're suggesting be taught. And he came up with a long list of things that are, are mentioned. And I think he said there's a, so she said, he said this list is extremely long. It's like 191 things. And so he, he has a list, 191 items. It contains the words, this, this is how much he dove into it. It contains the words slave 96 times, slaves 23 times, and slavery 45 times. So it's not like they're not talking about it. And he says, "I've pulled each line out in the order in which they appear, which is largely chronological, and it starts with the earliest slaves and ends with the integration of the University of Florida." Now, uh, the one one sentence that's in here, this is this is this is um, taken from the from the uh, instruction, and this is a, a quote from it. Instruction. This is for the curriculum, and this is what what Kamala Harris is running around saying. Um, as saying that this was an insult. This is one line. Okay, instruction includes. Well, I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you just a couple of things that are in there before I give you the the, the big one here. Uh, explain early congressional actions regarding the institution of slavery. Uh, Northwest Ordinance of 1787. Three-Fifths Compromise Act prohibiting importation of slaves. 1808. Explain the effect of the cotton industry on the expansion of slavery due to Eli Whitney's cotton gin. These are things that I learned, and I learned about the cotton gin in school a million years ago. Examine the various duties and trades performed by slaves, that is, agriculture work, painting, carpentry, tailoring, domestic service, blacksmithing, transportation. Okay, so that's the stuff that's in there that they are including in the curriculum, okay? So this is the one line, and he highlights it. Instruction includes how slaves develop skills which, in some instances, could be applied for their personal benefit. She ran around the country, maybe still is as I speak, telling people that the state of Florida is teaching that slavery was beneficial in some ways to the slaves. And it's based, again, I'll read, I'll read you what she's basing that on. Instruction includes how slaves develop skills which, in some instances, could be applied For their personal benefit. So there's a guy named uh, uh, Dr. William B. Allen. He's a uh, professor emeritus at Michigan State University, and he's part of the uh, the Florida um, Commission on deciding what's going to go in the curriculum. Here, he was interviewed by ABC. Mike, do we have that? No, it's the shorter one. First, the shorter one first. Let's hear that.
3: There's been uh, there's been a little bit of backlash um, to to these standards that you know were put out and you know like you said that you know these were these were done in open uh, open sessions so the public could you know listen or watch along um, you know what would what would you say to critics uh, who say these standards um, have set education back?
9: Well, I can't answer critics whom I haven't seen or heard. The only criticism I've encountered so far is a single one that was articulated by the vice president and which was an error. As I stated in my response to the Vice President, it was categorically false. It was never said that slavery was beneficial to Africans. What was said, and anyone who reads this will see this with clarity, it is the case that Africans proved resourceful, resilient and adaptive and were able to develop skills and aptitudes which served to their benefit, both while enslaved and after enslavement.
4: And idiots like Kamala Harris are running around the country saying that that this uh, curriculum is going to teach kids that uh, slavery was okay for some people because they because they learned how to do things. So this guy, uh, Dr. William B. Allen, by the way, is black, um, and he is um, a member of Florida's African American History Standards
3: Work Group. And here's a little bit more from him. You, you know, this this was a group effort. Um, you know, along with you know all these everyone on the task force. Um, you know, do you have do you have a message to to people out there who you know maybe um, you know only consuming this news through a, you know, a broadcast like ours or reading on the internet? Do you, is there is there a message that you want to send to you know people out there about uh, this task force and the the product that it delivered to the state.
9: Yes, I would certainly say to people, I know that people can't engage in the in-depth research, which stands behind many of the task force members and a product like this, but they need to know that it's available to them. They could read John Hope Franklin, who wrote an extensive work on the history of Africans from the 17th century, well into the 19th century, which shows copious examples of what we described. Similarly, Henry Louis Gates, whose slave narratives offer examples also, and Paul Finkelman's Encyclopedia of African-American History, or the more recent work by David Hackett Fisher on African founders. And I would ask people to bear in mind that when we talk about the resourcefulness of those people subject to the oppression of slavery, we're not talking only about the United States. We're talking about people worldwide and particularly in the islands before they came often to the United States, as well as those who came directly from Africa. We're talking about the experience of oppression and how people respond to the experience of oppression. And we want people to recognize that there's an opposite to Stockholm syndrome. People don't necessarily simply embrace their oppressors when they're oppressed. They also react adaptively and they find ways to make pathways for themselves even in the presence of oppression. And that's what calls upon their resourcefulness, their resilience, and their adaptability. And from these things, we begin to see how it becomes possible for some people to see that even though people were enslaved, they made great contributions to the growing prosperity of this society.
4: So that's Dr. William B. Allen, um, Professor Emeritus at Michigan State, and he's on the uh, the commission there to... Uh to make recommendations or to evaluate or analyze what they're going to be teaching these kids in Florida and you have the vice president of the United States who basically can't open her mouth either without saying some uh, without speaking gibberish or speaking some some uh, talking somehow about the evils of slavery and what a racist country we live in and all that stuff and it'd be one thing if she came out and 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 talked about legitimate issues that uh, uh with the with the instruction that's gonna be done or is being done in Florida um on history and and slavery and blacks in america and and everything that goes with it, but it's it, it's just a blatant lie that she's spreading, and I don't know what the rest of the media are saying about it, but I'm gonna guess that um that they're they're just repeating or playing sound bites what she said. Without talking to somebody like uh, Dr. William B. Allen, who you just heard here, a black man who was uh, uh, appointed to this uh, commission and just destroyed everything that, that uh, Kamala Harris just said, so you're not going to hear the other side of it. That's just the way it's going to be. Um, but I'm 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 glad that we were able to get Dr. Uh, William Allen's uh, soundbites up there, and and you're not going to hear the end of the. I'll say this. I'll say it this way. You you have not heard the end of this. I would guess that this you – will, you, you will hear this again and maybe not just a couple of days from now or the rest of this week. You'll hear it three months from now when school starts. You'll hear that kids are being told that slavery was okay for some black people. It worked out kind of good for them. Uh, you will hear that because they've, they've uh, glommed on to this and it gets people enraged. And here's the sick thing. It's directed, it's directed at white uh, liberals – who are feeling guilty and it's also directed at black voters and it's become pretty obvious at least to me anyway that they are starting to see a trend of black voters maybe shifting a little bit and they get they can they've been able to count on 95% of the black vote if it drops to 88% something like that they lose so they can't let that happen so when something like this pops up you're not going to be able to talk them out of it. You're not going to be able to prove to them that, they, that they're spreading uh, falsehoods. And they won't be accused of lying about it. They'll be accused of, they won't be accused of anything. They'll be praised for coming to the rescue of black people. And it's up to the black voters there to see through it. I don't know. I hope they do. When we come back, oh boy, lots of men apparently went to see Barbie. I don't know why. Maybe we can find out.
7: News. I'm John Scott. Texas Governor Greg Abbott has escalated measures to keep migrants from entering the U.S., installing razor wire and massive buoys on the Rio Grande. Meanwhile, an overwhelming majority of U.S. adults remain concerned about security at the border.
9: According to the new Gallup poll released earlier this month, an overwhelming majority of Americans say the U.S.-Mexico border is either in a state of crisis or a major problem. The poll shows 39% of Americans believe the border situation is a crisis, 33% believe it is a major problem, while only 22% believe it is a minor problem, and just 5% believe it isn't a problem at all. That means that 72% believe that the border is either a crisis or a major problem. That is a bit lower than in 2019 when 72% said the same thing. Edwin Mora, Washington.
7: This is SRN News.
1: Attention, your money is now controlled by the U.S. government.
3: Picture a world where your every purchase is monitored, tracked, and controlled by those in power to suppress the freedoms of those they see fit. Hi, my name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. And right now, I've become very focused on the impending rollout of the central bank digital currency. This is not a work of fiction. It's a terrifying reality looming on the horizon. But there is a bit of good news. I've partnered with Advantage Gold to offer you a solution. They are specialists in converting your traditional assets, like those inside an IRA or 401k, and intangible assets such as physical gold and silver. Don't allow your money to be controlled. Claim your free gold protection kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800 900 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Call 800-900-8000.
0: You listen to them every day. Now you have the chance to meet one of our incomparable Salem program hosts face to face. face. Enter the Terrific Talkers VIP experience.
1: The grand prize winner gets to choose which of our 20 radio, TV, and podcast hosts they'd like to meet. Even sit in on the program.
0: Includes airfare, three nights hotel, and more. 20 program hosts. One amazing opportunity. Sponsored by Save the Storks. Register to win now at the theanswerpgh.com.
1: AM 1250, the answer presents The Summer Love and Sweepstakes, sponsored by Bachman Roofing & Solar. Enter now for your chance to win the perfect date night for two. August 18th, our grand prize couple will be swept away on our Gateway Clipper dinner cruise, followed by a romantic night stay at the mansions on 5th. Grand prize to be awarded August 11th, followed by three more weekly dinner for two giveaways during August. The Summer Love and Sweepstakes, sponsored by Bachman Roofing & Solar, creating lasting relationships with customers for over 50 years. Enter now at theanswerpgh.com.
8: My My son, Finn, was born with congenital heart disease. He ended up spending about the first eight months of his life in the hospital. During that time, he endured 10 surgeries, including an open-heart surgery. Starlight Children's Foundation has played an important role in my family's life. For five weeks when he was a baby, Finn lived in a Starlight Hero wagon. You could not understand the pure joy of having him go from a hospital bed into his favorite red wagon— Starlight doesn't just give items that hospitalized kids can use to keep themselves happy, but also memories, moments, and experiences which are so needed in times like these. They allow sick kids to just be kids for a little while. The support that Starlight provides to families like mine is an integral part to creating happiness at a time when there's very little to be found. Learn more about how Starlight Children's Foundation brightens the lives of sick kids by visiting starlight.org today. AM
0: 1250 and FM 92.5, The Answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, TuneIn, iHeart, or Odyssey. AM
7: 1250,
0: The Answer. Weather.
1: We'll see an early evening thunderstorm in spots, otherwise partly cloudy skies tonight, low 64, partly sunny and humid tomorrow with a thunderstorm. Tomorrow we'll see a high of 84, increasing clouds tomorrow night, remaining humid with a low of 65, very warm and humid Wednesday with intervals of clouds and sun. Expect a thunderstorm in spots in the afternoon. Wednesday's high 88. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon.
0: The John Steigerwall show, AM 1250 The Answer. Well, apparently men
4: went to see Barbie, lots of them, because it, it grossed $155 million over the weekend. That could be just one more sign that the human race is doomed. Uh, but anyway, Christian Toto is a man. He saw it, but then he watches movies for a living. His website is HollywoodIntoto.com. Always good to have him, and I had to have him on to talk about the Barbie craze, and he joins us now. Christian, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. So, uh grown men going to see a movie about Barbie is disturbing enough, I think, but but I, I'm 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 getting this uh I I'm also seeing that this movie is about as anti man as it gets, right?
1: It is. And you know, I feel a little uncomfortable saying that. I think we I don't want to be a snowflake, I don't want to misinterpret things, but it's really hard to interpret the movie in any other fashion and I I think to say a lot about it would get into spoiler territory, but I, I feel very comfortable at, at you know describing that part of, this, of the of the film. You know, it's been billed as a fun and glamorous and exciting look at Barbie, and they really didn't tell you what the story was about. I think the, the marketing was near genius level on multiple fronts. But part of it is if you look at the trailers, you don't know what the story is. You don't know what the angle is. You don't know what's happening. Just a bunch of quick, funny scenes, and i I think that made people really curious and I, I think actually a lot of more trailers should be a little bit more uh, subtle and a little bit more mysterious in a fashion i think I think it would get more people to the theater but once you see the movie, it starts out uh, you know in a very feminist fashion, but it's also funny and it's clever and it's interesting and very likable stars are in it, but then as the movie wears on, it gets oh it just it's, it's hard to tolerate and There's a speech mid-movie, maybe mid-to-late movie, that it feels like a TED Talk. And I'm thinking, you know, whether you agree with the message, disagree, it's just bad screenwriting. And and to top it all off, not only is the film obsessed with the patriarchy, they literally mention it. I counted 10 times, and maybe it was 11, I don't know. But, you know, any screenplay that has the word patriarchy in it, which is a real, it kind of catches your mouth. It's a a really clunky word. We don't really use it in conversations very much. It's just a sign of what's going on.
4: Yeah, I was just going to say that the uh, patriarchy is one of those words that nobody uses except people in the media and, you know, feminists who are insane and running around with their hair on fire. They like to use that word a lot. I don't think that a lot of people who go to see Barbie uh, go there with the word patriarchy floating
1: around in their head anywhere. I don't think so either. It's like you know you're maybe in mesh in a women's studies course, and the, yeah. the term comes up a time or two. Yeah. You know, this movie's PG thirteen. Some of the content it, it isn't super sexual, but it's not really appropriate for young young kids. It's just that it'll go over their heads, or it's a little bit more mature or sophisticated. But you know, when I went to the movies, and this is super anecdotal, it's just a story of one, but the women in the crowd were beautifully dressed. They wore high heels. They they looked amazing. They all, they all dressed up for the occasion. And I I thought that's what they were expecting. That kind of movie a fun, frivolous, glamorous, you know, a uh, look back at Barbie past and present. And I, you know, and I'm, I'll be curious to see the reactions in the weeks to come about what people think of it. And it doesn't, if, if it matches your politics and you're very left and center, you may love it, but I, I think others maybe didn't think that was what they were going to see on the screen.
4: Yeah, I, I went to see Oppenheimer over the weekend. I want to ask you about that in a second, but um, I did note, and uh, the, Barbie was obviously playing at the theater. I did see lots of women showing up wearing pink, and they weren't young women either. All of them, they mm-hmm. were actually. I think I saw more middle-aged women dressing the uh, in the uniform than I did young girls. Or I didn't even see that many little kids going to the movie at all so who was it at, who is it directed at
1: it, it's a big question mark uh the marketing was certainly directed at a certain demographic and the movie itself maybe another but you know I, I don't know i don't know why it would go in that direction you know this was made with the full cooperation of mattel which is the toy company mm-hmm. behind the barbie doll and this yeah. is from the, 1959 the doll's been around for decades and the, the movie doesn't seem to like the doll I, listen, you could say the doll is, has raised unfair expectations of, of beauty standards. I mean, that that's, that's argument's been made, you know, for years and years. And you could maybe inc- wrap that into the overall story. That's part yeah. of the conversation. But, it, it, you know, <laughs> at one point, the Barbie comes to life and a little, like a teenage girl looks at her, basically yells at her, gives her a sermon, and then calls her a fascist. I'm like, Wait. do they even like the doll in question? It's a very weird movie.
4: Wait a minute. A, a girl in the movie. How old's this girl who calls Barbie a fascist? Maybe fifteen,
1: fourteen. She's a teenager.
4: Well, she's too old to be playing with Barbies anyway. But uh, yeah, uh, is she playing with a Barbie when when it comes to life?
1: No, it's actually her mother in the film. Used to have Barbie dolls oh. as a kid. Oh, okay. Now she's depressed and she's kind of looking back at that time in her life. And she, I think maybe, maybe she even brought out an old doll from the attic, that kind of a thing. and just, just as a way to kind of make herself feel better, which is actually a very human emotion.
4: But it's her, all her problems are Barbie's (laughs) fault, I guess. Is that, is that the, I'm supposed to take away from that?
1: I mean, you know, in in a way you got to give Mattel credit for letting the, the uh, the creators of the film just run wild with the concept and not protecting their brand and their toy. Mm Mm-hmm to the uh, to the ultimate degree, uh, you know, they seem to be happy with it. But, you know, it was very interesting in the weeks coming up to the movie's release. Uh, there were stories about how Mattel didn't want it to be, you know, the feminist maybe, or they didn't want to, you know, make people know that that was the issue. They directly asked Margot Robbie, the star of the film, that this is a feminist movie. And boy, she tap danced like the best politician you ever heard. So, you know, they, they know that that kind of extreme messaging is not going to make 150 plus million. So they hit it, yeah, and then it made 150 plus million. So yeah. it worked.
4: Yeah, my sister would have been, uh, I guess, the first uh, among the first group of little girls who played with Barbie a million years ago. She's a few years younger than I am. Um, I, I, I think I do remember now that I think about it when she would be, I'd see her playing with Barbies uh, with her friends. Uh, I do remember her saying, you know, I think Barbie might be a fascist. And some <laughs> and uh, being upset that the that uh, here I am I'm eight years old and and then you've raised uh, unrealistically raised the expectations for me for the rest of my life. I don't think <laughs> I don't think I remember actually her and her uh, friends doing
1: that, but uh, that's that's yeah. Go ahead. And another point about this whole conversation is, you know, the doll itself. Maybe it's just aspirational. We want to be beautiful and successful, and Barbie's smart, and she's got to, you know. De- dream uh, house, I don't mean, know what the term is, and there's all the all the accessories, the yeah. car, she's got a handsome boyfriend. You know, maybe it's just fun and silly, and, and it's something that little girls can, you know, play with the dolls and imagine what it's going to be like when they're grown up. And another element of the film that's so interesting is that Ken loves Barbie, and that's part of the story, mm-hmm. and that's obvious. She has no time for Ken. She couldn't disdain him anymore. She's almost sick to be in his company. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know... At the end of the day, if you're a little girl playing with a Barbie doll, don't you imagine, like, oh, one day she'll be married to Ken and they'll yeah. have a family and they'll have, the a, idea, they'll have yeah. a beautiful romance. Like, it, It's almost like you couldn't do that in this movie. That, like, that element is just wiped clean. And uh, it actually reminded me of another st- story. They're making a Snow White movie. The oh, actress yeah. is playing Snow White. She's like, well, this, this Snow White's not going to be married, by, by a, not going to be rescued by a man, and, and she's not going to dream of falling in love. Well, what's wrong with that? I mean, yeah. I could see you want to be maybe a little empowered. as isn't the the 30s anymore. But what's wrong with falling in love and, and and having romance and and meeting your partner? I mean, isn't that what we all want to a degree? I mean, when did that become verboten? It's very strange.
4: Yeah, and um, I, it's <laughs> I just it's the the idea that they made a movie with Barbie and Ken and Barbie hates Ken. That's perfect. <laughs> That's just perfect.
1: It's, it's hard to believe it. I mean, I, I, and I, I want to say what happened to the end, but I was expecting, okay, there's gonna be something more healing, more yeah. uh, more empathetic, coming our way. Ah, uh-uh. nope, <laughs> not at all. It's, it's fascinating, it really and it is worth discussing. It is a cultural moment, and it did make a lot of money, and we're all talking about it. And you know, the movie guy in me is happy that people ran to the theaters this week, and they saw yeah. Oppenheimer in huge numbers, and it was even more so for Barbie. So, I mean, that's a good sign that people still want to see stories in cinema. And also, these are two, in theory, I know it's tied to a brand, but these are original movies. This is not a sequel or a prequel. I mean, this is the first Barbie movie of this consequence.
4: Yeah, unfortunately, it's not going to be the last, is it?
1: Not familiar, I can I'm surprised they haven't announced a sequel already. I mean, that, thats I'm sure you'll hear that within days.
4: Well, um, what about, uh, does um, Barbie show any... Um, gay tendencies? Does she is she conflicted about her sexuality? Does she I don't know. Does she date any women during the movie? What, what? How do they work that in? They had to work it in there somehow.
1: No, you know there is a trans actress who plays a smaller role in the film, but no, nothing like that. Um just I, I don't think romance is on the agenda for this film. you know it's about empowerment and you know and, and I also want to say you know you could say oh you're a man and you're you're taking this too seriously. you know you could make a a movie about feminism about Barbie and bring in some important themes and talk about issues in our culture where male domination is is very real and and where women are not treated well. I mean those are all fair game uh plot lines and discussions and cultural themes, but this is just a very broad, heavy-handed way to attack those issues. And I, I think they could have done it in a different way and, and and kind of shared that message and been entertaining. And I just think this movie starts out in a very entertaining fashion. It's very good. And then it just kind of gets worse and worse.
4: We're talking to Christian Toto of HollywoodandToto.com. Uh, on your site, you talk about um, how your criticism of the movie was received by other critics and you're a bad person now for not giving it rave reviews is that what is this one of those movies you're not allowed to not like
1: apparently there have been some you know tnz and a couple other websites basically tisk tisk people who dared to not like it is that that's not not an appropriate response but also i did share I, I think after the movie screening i i went on twitter and just shared a quick comment it was you know it was certainly sharp elbowed no doubt Oh boy, for the next three or four days, like you made me want to see it more. Oh my God, you're a jerk. I mean, just on and on. And by the way, if someone doesn't like a movie and I like it, I don't really freak out about it or need to respond over and again. You know, it's just an opinion. You know, we can have them, we can talk about them. And it's one of the good things about movies. You can just you know, it's, it's wildly subjective, but uh, yeah, interesting response. I don't think I've ever gotten... That kind of feedback from any tweet at any time, and I've been on Twitter for quite a while.
4: Really? So that that's that really
1: s- struck a chord. Oh yeah, and I hashtag Barbie, Barbie or Barbie movie. Maybe that was my that was my downfall. But <laughs> listen, I'm gonna kind of thick skin. I don't care. But I just thought it was interesting that response and that level of response. So and this was before, by the way, the movie had come out. So they were yelling at me without wow. even having
4: seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen,
1: they saw it, they liked it, and they disagreed with me. That's fine. We can have a conversation. But a lot of this was, you blah, 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 blah. But, you know, the movie hadn't been out yet. So maybe I was right. Maybe I was wrong.
4: Well, let me ask you something. And we're talking, again, to Christian Toto of HollywoodandToto.com. This is not nece- this doesn't apply necessarily to Barbie, but to all your work when you were critiquing movies. Mm-hmm. You're a critic. and. I found that as a as a commentator, especially when I was doing sports, um, you get accused of being oh you're always so negative. Well, mm-hmm. you're a critic. Don't isn't it hard to not be negative when you're when the name of your the title of your job is critic?
1: <laughs> right. I uh, agree, and I think people like you and I are are. are more critical of our respective uh, topic areas, for sure, than the average person. Listen, most people go to the movies to be entertained. They yeah. don't think a lot about it. I, I tend to think much more about it. But I also love when I am challenged by a movie. I love when a movie defies my expectations. I, you know, if I think it's going to be a certain way and it's not. Or, listen, the first part of Barbie, I was having a good time. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to keep having a good time. I, listen, I'm, you don't get into this business because you want to sit there with your arms folded and, and, and grimace through a movie you do it because you love movies. I mean, I, my career is bizarre. I, it took me a, a long time to get here, and I did that because I loved the movie-going experience. And for every clunker I see, there's always a good movie around the corner, and that makes me happy. So then, you know, I think a critic should have that joy. And also, while I, I wear my, my biases on my sleeve, I'm a conservative film critic. I don't want to just hammer a movie because it doesn't align with my worldview. That doesn't do anyone any good.
4: Yeah. So what about Oppenheimer? Um, I saw it. I thought it was, mm-hmm. it could have been maybe 20 minutes shorter. Um, it was th- three hours and one minute long. I'll just give you my quick quick critique sure. of it. And by the way, I, um, I, when I, I wait until I see a movie like this that uh, claims to be a, a true story, I wait until, and usually I do it immediately after, as soon as I get home, I look up to see how accurate it was. And I couldn't find anything anywhere that criticized it for not being accurate. For And so I think for a movie about something like this, uh, which, is, which has so much historical content, for it not to, be, uh, not to have played with the facts, um, I think it, I was pretty impressed by that. But I thought it took about 20 minutes too long to get moving. And uh, once it got moving, it was very good. And without being a spoiler— uh, at the end, I thought they kind of forced their way. Well, they it was kind of a contrived attempt at making sure that they threw in some guilt about dropping the bombs on Japan. Made sure that they mm-hmm. covered that when I didn't think they had to. So what did you think of it?
1: i uh, They screened Barbie and Oppenheimer on the same night in the same place. So I wasn't able to see it. And then I went on vacation the last few days. Oh, okay. so, so I haven't caught up with Oppenheimer yet. Okay, I, I think your reviews are mostly very good. Uh, you know, Christopher Nolan is a top-flight director. He's yeah. not perfect, and you know, I, I I think you to get to the three-hour mark, you really need to have a flawless, tight film. And, mm-hmm. and I, I imagine, I imagine maybe in his quiet moments, even Christopher Nolan might think I could have cut out a scene or two. So I, I certainly understand that. And listen, it'll it may be in the best picture you know race or conversation in the months to come for sure. But I just love the fact that this is a serious, sober movie by a top flight director and it made $80 million because yeah. I think if you attach most other directors names to it, maybe it makes 20. I mean, the Nolan brand is really bulletproof. He really makes event pictures and he really is, has a, an extraordinary amount of talent. And so I, as again, as a movie fan, I'm glad that the movie did so well. I think that's a good sign that the people want to see more adult minded stories. And, uh, and I also appreciate the fact that he didn't play fast and loose with the truth because the historical record is so consequential you can't just make stuff up here this is this is real this is really important
4: i found i didn't find anything in my uh research after the movie that jumped out at me that said oh boy that they uh, they really milked that scene and it, it never happened <laughs> it was not i didn't see anything maybe i missed it but uh, yeah I, and we have about a minute left with christian toto and you mentioned it's you're you're happy that um that a movie like this is doing well what does it say that a movie like Barbie and Oppenheimer can open on the same weekend and both get close to $100 million? Is that, Is that something that's new? I only have about 30 seconds left here.
1: I mean, it's, un- it's, I say, unprecedented. it's, it's very rare, for sure. Mm-hmm. They're very different kinds of movies. That helps. But there was an appetite for both. And I think, again, I blame a lot of this on the marketing. You know, the marketing played up the Nolan connection with Oppenheimer, and the, the Barbie marketing was, was just brilliant. So I think there is still an interest in, in people out there that if you put a story in front of them that they're eager about, that they're curious about, that speaks to their needs and desires, they will line up and they will see it. And I think if Hollywood really it should learn that lesson and appreciate it, but also know it's not easy. It doesn't happen a lot. So it's, it's rare, but uh, it's a good sign. Just make better movies.
4: Yep, but it's also good to see people going back to the theaters. Th- thank you, uh, Christian. We'll have you on again soon, I'm sure. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, Christian Toto, HollywoodIntoto.com.
0: Are you considering a unique way to enhance your investment knowledge this year? Then sign up today for the all-inclusive Eagle Financial Publications Cruise. Along with our trusted partner, The Money Show, we're setting sail this December to explore some of the most beautiful and unspoiled destinations in the Caribbean. But this is no ordinary vacation. It's a chance to learn from top Eagle financial experts like best-selling authors George Gilder, Mark Skousen, and others who will be hosting a series of workshops and seminars throughout the trip. Imagine lounging on the sun deck while discussing investment strategies with like-minded individuals or enjoying a gourmet dinner at the same table with one of our leading financial authorities. This once-in-a-lifetime cruise is a perfect way to combine education and relaxation to achieve your investment goals. This cruise will sell out quickly, so visit EagleFinancialCruise.com today to learn more and to secure your cabin. That's EagleFinancialCruise.com Eagle Financial is a division of Salem Media Group. On My Pillow's
4: twenty year anniversary, with over eighty million My Pillows sold, Mike Lindell and the My Pillow employees want to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their My Pillows. This is John Steigerwald. You will receive a queen size My Pillow for nineteen ninety eight. Regular price is sixty nine ninety eight, and just ten dollars more for a king size. In addition to this special anniversary offer on the My Pillows, you will also receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio podcast square to receive Mike's amazing offer on the queen size MyPillow for nineteen ninety eight. dollars or call 800-716-8087 and use promo code STAG. This offer comes with a 10 year warranty so you know it's going to last and a 60 day money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. It's time to start getting the quality sleep We not only want, but need. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code STAG, or call 800-716-8087.
6: Oil investments involve a high degree of risk, and actual results may vary. Oil and natural gas keep going up as the Russia conflict escalates. Get in on the next major oil boom now, and help the U.S. with your patriotic investment that can potentially pay you monthly income for up to 20 or more years. Major investor and experienced operator in its core area of operations. Call now and learn how to deduct 100% of your investment and create 20 or more years of potential monthly income. Call 800-287-6691. That's 800-287-6691.
0: This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer.
4: Have you seen the stories out there about what um, they've found with Joe Biden and uh, Hunter Recently, in the last few days, um, I think it was uh, Miranda Devine who, who, rele- who did the story on this New York Post that um, several times now, like 15 times, something like that, Joe Biden was – he was, he was made part of a conversation with Hunter, uh, between Hunter and his business associates by being brought in on the speakerphone, that kind of thing. Uh, And this is a guy who said he never spoke to his son about his business dealings. Well, apparently, Press Secretary uh, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about that today. And now they've changed it. It's amazing how they can just use words to make it uh, uh, just a 180-degree turn. Biden now was never in business with his son. That's a bitty, big difference between that and didn't ever speak to him about it, which of course was an insult to everybody's intelligence. So expect more to this, and there are now other people out there speculating that this means those tapes of him being
0: bribed exist, and they know where they are. The John Steckerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by ServiceMaster of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand, the yellow van.